People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Alright, welcome to the advanced screening. My name is Justin Corbett and I am laughing because I am joined by Tom as he sucks on an icy pole that he just dropped all over himself. Mate, summer is here and climate change is not fucking around. Yeah, what is it out in Canterbury? It's fucking hot. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night and it's hot. Mind you, the, the insulation in this place is really good. It keeps the heat in. It's not escaping. <laughs> keeps the heat in. Um... So, how have you been? Good? Surviving. You were just, Surviving. T- you were just talking about um, spending your days at work in the waning, the waning weeks of a private school year, which is, I think, about a month less than every other school that we went to. That's exactly why I'm still there. <laughs> I, like, I, was, I, I got offered to leave it a couple of weeks ago, and then the whole idea of having to work to the 20th of December, and that was almost like... Oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, so we are going to touch on uh, not like kind of episode by episode TV shows, but just we haven't done a pod in a while about TV. So just kind of touching base on shows that are out right now that are really good that people might want to check out during the holidays uh, instead of hanging out with family and friends. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of time off. I'm avoiding my family. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, do you have a show right off the bat? Mate, it's the only show. It's The Curse. How fucking good. Are you, where are you up to? Three episodes in? Three episodes in. It is wild. Um, the Curse is on Paramount Plus for, starring Emma Stone from Benny Safdie and Nathan Fielder from the rehearsal and Nathan For You. And I am, I'm so deep into Nathan Fielder, like he's my boy, for sure. It, he just has some of the most weirdest, absurdest shit, and it is not everybody's cup of tea. But I think it's the most funniest stuff. And so, like, I remember I was watching an episode of Nathan Fielder a couple of weeks ago, which is the 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 real. That's the real sort of Nathan Fielder show. And Sam was almost like, "Oh, not the show again." And then she sat down twenty minutes later, and she was like, "This is really fucking funny." Like, not in a like laugh out loud. She just looked at me and smiled I was like this is this is really fucking hilarious <laughs> so the curse is on paramount and essentially is like following to a couple who were trying to make a hgtv house flipping reality show where they've moved into like um some really poor neighborhood um like a latin american neighborhood and they're trying to give people jobs and build up the community while simultaneously buying out their houses and flipping them into like architecturally beautiful marvels. It has gentrification in the crosshairs and it's really interesting in how it's going about that. It initially was pitched as a half an hour comedy and it's this 55 minute sort of comedy psychological drama. Oh, it's um, real psychological. It's got... um. Who's the who's the American filmmaker like Blue Velvet or that weed stuff? Don't know, don't know, don't know. <laughs> Pro- um, probably one of the most celebrated straight, uh, American directors of all time. Um, you know, Mulholland Drive, weed guy. What are you trying to say? Like the way it's filmed? No, well, hey, the way it's filmed is really bizarre. That there are some scenes where it's like, so let's pitch up that Benny uh, Benny Safdie is the producer 
of the show, who's a bit of a weird dude, would not trust him behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> uh, do you, you were thinking David Lynch? Yes. Yes, it's very and, Lynchian. Oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> and so, but there are certain scenes where they filmed that Benny Safdie character almost through like a skylight or through CCTV or from like the next room, but through like like an half open door. And the way that the camera lingers on its characters, I've never seen a show shot like it. It's so bizarre. But but it's so fascinating that it's it's leading into... It's like you're watching CCTV where it's sort of hypnotic and engrossing way to watch a character. Yeah, there was a scene... It's It's all done as if it's like... Even though the show is drama and then within the show is the show that they're trying to make, the house flipping show. But the whole thing is shot as if it's like a reality show and we're seeing it from really far away. It's kind of like The Bachelor where they shoot between the bushes to see someone's Mm. argument on the other side of the bushes. Stuff like that. Or girls in the bathroom crying. There's this scene in the most recent episode where um, Benny Safdie asks Nathan Fielder's character to go for a drink and Nathan Fielder doesn't like hanging out with him so he says no. And it goes to Benny Safdie on his bed and it slowly zooms in for like 60 straight seconds without dialogue, zooming in on his face until he starts weeping a little bit. And I was like, when is this going to cut? What are we looking at? And it's also shot from outside the house through the window. Through the window. It's so strange, but it's really, really good. What was your, um, to give people an idea of the um, show... In the first episode, was your favourite scene when Nathan Fielder is masturbating Emma Stone with her vibrator named Stephen? Or was your favourite moment when Nathan Fielder is um, comparing his micro penis with Emma Stone's dad in the tomato garden? Oh my god. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be sorry that I brought them up when you're talking about this show. <laughs> no, but it's phenomenal that, that they've managed to do both of those, those scenes within 50 minutes. Within they, the first episode. I, they, some of it was the most excruciating, cringeworthy television I've watched in a year and I wanted more. It's, it's that kind of, it's this, that weird feeling of sitting there and it's so cringe that like you're clenching everything so hard and then when it, the tension is finally released, like you just laugh you just because yeah. you're like, what the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> well, I think that this is also the thing what we're watching is Emma Stone is just, as I said in the last podcast, she's got the belt. She is the best actor, male, female, going around. Like, like Tim- Timothy Chamelot is my boy. And, you know, he's going to make a lot of money making Wonka. But Emma Stone is just phenomenal with what she's doing within this show. The fact that she's an Academy Award winner and coming back and doing this sort of television, it's so fucking risky. It's so daring. It's so bold. And she is stunning within it with what she's the character decisions and the way she's using her body and expressions oh her facial expressions like just holding a fake smile that is is part of like her persona that she's this great do-gooder like flipping houses in this poor community and but she's her face is like you can tell on her face that it's fake you can it's like watching a mirror crack yeah it's fantastic yeah, and then Nathan Fielder. I don't think there's an actor, in even if we'd, we'd call him an actor, maybe we would just call him a comic or a performer in some way, that has no shame. That he does stuff on camera that 
any most actors would be almost like I'm not going to do that. Like, I, like th- th- this is going to be on streaming in perpetuity. Like, I don't really want to depict myself like that. And he's g- doing stuff like that sex scene. Yeah, he is so dialed in and fully committed to this bit, and it is so fucking humiliating. It's so cringe. Could you imagine any other actor doing that scene? It's so good though. Like I don't, it's kind of, that's why I love it. Yeah. What like, it's the fact that he's not an actor originally, I suppose. Like he's just come from doing his real world stuff where it's not real world, but he's like faking it. And I think part of it is though. I think that's the allure where it's like, you just don't know that there's a blending of the line where what is real and what is fake and you don't know. And that's the best bit. Yeah. Um, so my first show is um, Murder at the End of the World. Uh, yes. So I've I watched I think the third or fourth episode this evening. Murder at the End of the World is on Disney Plus, and it's kind of like a murder mystery show. Uh, very very Knives Out and Glass Onion. Yeah, um, I I think without. The humor or the without charm. the humor, it's it's a it's a thriller, dark version of those movies. If you like them, um, it's pretty much a billionaire's retreat out in the middle of nowhere. He invites all these rich yuppie, save the world environmentalist people, and then amongst this group, for some reason, is this early twenties um, home private investigator essentially who wrote a book about investigating a murder that she solved and for some reason she's there and then people start dying at this retreat and they can't get out because it's the middle of nowhere and so she has to start investigating it at this very high-tech compound um and that's kind of all you can say about this show um i think you, can, I think you can allude to that one of the per- people that is invited to the retreat is her ex-lover or also collaborator as well Yes, and he's like a Banksy-like person that everyone apparently loved. Yeah, it's um, it's it's the I think that's the thing that I've heard most about this show. He's a he's a Banksy stand-in. Yes, Banks. Mind you, what a great name. <laughs> loved like who wouldn't want to go by Fangs? Fangs. Um, yeah, we just we just watched episode five tonight before I turned on this recording, and it was an hour and fifteen minutes, and I was kind of like, "Oh, this is a long." episode for an episodic series that's just kind of set in a single location and it was amazing so the most recent episode i'm a little behind on where you are in it and i think i watched which is the episode where they got the little robots walking around those dudes yeah yeah ep3 (laughs) they got the little robots yeah yeah yeah. they're doing the the distance in the distance though because they didn't have cgi budget (laughs) yeah i like the little robots mates it made sam laugh Oh really? <laughs> I, it's like unintentional comedy, little robots. Um, and I actually, while I do like the show, it does feel at times quite gripping, and in others, like this is sort of wallpaper. I think I could be on my phone during it. This is not like this is dragging a little bit. For, I feel like I should be a little bit more invested after three episodes. Um, but you seem to be more invested after five. Yeah, they're they're definitely metering out the investigation and the kind of suspense to fill some kind of episode quota. Um, but ep five 
is the longest episode so far and the most happens and um, you get the most answers so far. And then it ends in a way that we'll just kind of like, uh, what the what the hell and wait in for next week now. Okay. Good so, show. So it's worth my time to remain invested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have to talk about a show that we've, we're both watching in and I think it's fair that we're both invested in. Um, whether we think this is good or not, I don't think we really care. I think we're just both in for the ride and that is Monarch Legacy of Monsters on <laughs> Apple+. Plus. Yeah, so in the last pod, I alluded to this and I said that I'm selling the MonsterVerse because of the Godzilla X-Kong New Empire trailer where Godzilla's... Um, bright pink and shred in and Godzilla has a mechanical uh, Kong has a mechanical arm but this show it's just fun to watch it's stupid it's fun to watch I'm buying Kurt Russell and I'm buying Wyatt Russell more of that on my screen with like Godzilla in the background getting blown up I'm all in on that shit this is for some inexplicable reason set after the first Godzilla but before any of the more recent Godzillas Um, it also has a a dual timeline happening in the 1950s, which we need to talk about. Um, oh my God. The amount of time jumps this show has, it's, a, it's I can't understand how people can keep up with this show. I, I feel like I can manage. If you, if you miss but, a, a single time card, you're done. Like, like <laughs> episode one was 1955 and 2015. Episode two was 1951 and 2015. The most recent episode was 2015 and one year earlier with no 1955 plotline. I'm like, what the hell's going on? The, the fact that it's got flashbacks within flashbacks is... Oh, I love it. It's the dumbest shit I think I've <laughs> I know. seen this year. I know. But I mean... Dude, I, we, we texted about this briefly, but the, the biggest thing about this show is they clearly just wanted Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell to play the same character. Wyatt Russell plays a character in the 1950s and Kurt Russell plays the same character in the 2015 timeline. Now, Kurt, Wyatt Russell and Anders Holmes the, are together in the 1951 timeline. They look the exact same age. They look about 30 years old. Anders Holmes... Is playing Not even the character 30, like 35, like 35. mid to late 30s. Anders Holmes is playing the same character that John Goodman would play in the 1970s set Kong movie. He ages terribly. Aged terribly. And Kurt Russell is in the 2015 timeline, which means he must be about 90 years old. And just putting them up next to each other is like John Goodman, Kurt Russell, but there's like 30 years difference according to these timelines. But then they have a line in the third episode that's like, you're Shaw, his, his character's name Shaw, you're so-and-so Shaw, doesn't that make you 90 years old? And he says, yeah, must be good genes. And then they move along. <laughs> I think he's got some of that Godzilla radiation steroid juice. I don't know what's going on. That's what we said must be the case. Surely there's going to be a reveal where they're injecting people with Godzilla blood. Because oh, that would be so good. <laughs> because he just says, "Yeah, I'm 90 years old. Must be good genes," and they never talk about it again. I am like when you said that, I went to the camera like an Italian man. Like I really like this. This I like this bolognese pasta sauce. 
They the big reveal of this movie is not going to be anything about the monsters. It's going to be Monarch harvesting Godzilla blood and just shooting up in the corner to live forever. I'm all in on that if that's the show. <laughs> and the thing that the the funny thing is that it's so ridiculous and the human characters are so annoying, but like you just you just hold in your breath for another Zilla. Another Zilla sighting. Just there, give us more Zilla. There is like I feel like the show when I think Anders Holm, White Russell, Kurt Russell, Godzilla, and I think the the Japanese actress from the 1950s who dies in the first episode, but then is back because we go even further back in the timeline <laughs> for some reason. Why do we do that? Because yep. all of a sudden stakes are low because we already know she's going to fucking die. So what? why do I now care about this character? I, I'm infuriating. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that like if it, you don't have the Russells, Anders... And then Zilla on screen, I don't give a fuck. This is bad acting, bad TV. But when they are on screen, is it the best show on TV? Probably not, but it's a lot of fun. They, they, they're really going for it. What, are the, what did Kurt Russell say in the most latest episode when it's like Alaska, there's a monster and the monster is attracted to energy and he lights up like uh, jet fuel? Um... It's when the they light a fire, and in Alaska the monster eats fire, and then so he's like, um, "Thanks, thanks for reciting exactly what I just said." No, no, you you sent me the thing where you were like, "I don't care." That's a great line. I can't remember what it was. Was it dinner's up? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was like dinner's up, you son of a bitch. Dinner's up, you see, yeah, the son of a bitch was at the end. <laughs> Just let why let let Kurt Russell stand on a green screen in the middle of Alaska and just drop lines like that. And you know, I've not really been a long term fan of Kurt Russell. I, there's not many things that I've actually enjoyed him in. And you know, this is might change my mind. You don't. You haven't liked Kurt Russell. No, not really. Like I think you were far more of a fan of like. 80s and 90s action films than I am like I'm a little bit more selective about those sort of things and I just don't think I I would like to watch Escape from New York I think that's something we should sit down and watch at some point in the future what was the Kurt Russell Steven Seagal movie that I um that I picked in one of our drafts that we did um that Under Siege (laughs) nah damn it I can't remember what it is um nah it doesn't matter uh my my next one, um, I don't know if you're watching it, but it's Slow Horses on Apple TV+. Plus. You love this show and I, I want to get back into it. I absolutely love this show. This is It's the a, hardest working TV show in the, in the business, isn't it? This is an Apple TV Plus show that they have released three six-episode seasons in 18 months. They are just like they painting are it. Churning it out. So the, the third season started this week. Uh, the first two episodes are amazing. And they've already started filming the fourth season. So every this is unheard of in modern TV. Every by the time every season finishes, the last episode ends with a trailer for the next season. That's insane. Production. That is that is so good. Um, the long long story short of this show on Apple TV is a um, every season six episodes. It's a spy drama comedy. Um, not much comedy, but like funny unintentional moments. Um, Gary Oldman brings it. Gary Oldman is killing it in that show where he essentially runs a off um, off uh, off to the side part of MI5 in Britain where essentially all the agents who the fuck up 
all the reject agents, they made a mistake, they fucked something up, but they can't be sacked because they have too many top secret inf- information going on in their head. So they get sent to this shit house where they get either no task or menial tasks like filing. And then inevitably they always end up caught up in some kind of big plot that's going on. Um, and they kind of are simultaneously really, really good spies and also really suck. I think I heard or saw something the other day that's like, the main character after Gary Oldman is Jack Loud and he's kind of like the the young, the fit, the good looking spy. He's kind of James Bond if James Bond fucked up a lot. Yeah. Um, essentially. So really, really good at his job sometimes and other times he just makes terrible mistakes because he acts before he thinks. Um, this is, yeah, just a really, really good show to get into. It's easy. It's kind of, we talked about Hijack earlier in the year. It's kind of that. It's just... Easy, good, quick British television. Do you need to watch the first two seasons to pick up the third? Is it prerequisite watching? No. So Brit hadn't watched the first two seasons and I essentially told her what I just said. These are reject spies from MI5 that now work in some shithouse down the road um, and they've all been kicked out for some reason or another and now they're here and that's all you need to know. And she loved the first two episodes of season three. I think that'll be really good summer viewing. I think yeah. where it's something where I can... I did watch the first two or three episodes of season one and I enjoyed it, but I just never just went back and picked it up even though I did like it. You should. Like, there's there's character dynamics and relationships. Like, you understand Gary Oldman's persona yeah. a lot more and how much he hates these people, but then also tries to protect them if you watch the first two seasons. But you can literally just sit down and watch because every season doesn't have any link to the season before. It's just kind of like they're going about their jobs and then in case some kind of case happens that they get caught up in. I quite like that where I think there is a real fatigue in television and cinema where, and again, it's going back to what we were talking about last time with Marvel and stuff where, where everything's interwoven, like homework, the show that how much shit do I need to have seen so I can understand this show? Like, I think I'd like, I watched the first episode of season two Loki and it was almost like, what the fuck is this? And just never picked it up again. Yeah. And it's kind of, we talked about it in the last episode, how like the Marvel's absolutely bombed. And part of that is because like, it's, it's by all accounts a good movie, but part of that is because they couldn't promote the movie because of the strike, but also because to understand where Captain Marvel is, Brie Larson, you had to have watched Infinity War and Endgame. And then the two co-leads in that are Miss Marvel and... I don't even know the third person's name. She but was in the first she was in, movie. She, right? she was in one. No, she was in one division. So this is oh this is God. a this is a film they're bringing out where two of the three main characters came from Disney Plus TV shows. So it's a stretch, it's, isn't it? It's a, it's just a chore. It's an absolute chore. And so it's so good where there's a show on Apple TV Plus where you know it's going to be six episodes. You can sit down and not have watched the first two seasons, and it doesn't matter because it's really really good. That's real Jack Donaghy, Jack Donaghy, like synergy, you know, where it's like vertical integration. We're going to make it all work. rock. <laughs> um, Do you have another one? Well, I just wanted to, I've got two. I just wanted to pick up on the meme that I think I sent you a couple of weeks ago, where it's like the, the Bear Season 3 has been commissioned, but you don't have, you didn't have to watch any Marvel TV to understand it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good. Um, so the two that I want to talk about, I really want to talk about one and the other one. I think you might pick it up as well. Um, the first one is The Crown. Um, 
we are getting to the pointy end of that series. I think it's series five or series six. Uh, and man, it just brings it to fucking play. It's such a great television show. It, I think it is the last Netflix prestige show left. I don't think they really make anything of that caliber or even interested in making things. Within are you telling scope. me you don't like the Squid Game reality show that's on Netflix right now? Mate, I didn't even watch Squid Game. Oh, really? No. Squid Game was good, but I'm definitely not watching the reality show. What? What? It, that hasn't it drawn some real sort of like foul commentary that it's almost like this is you actually don't understand the original Squid Game if you're doing this. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. We don't need to go into it. Uh, maybe I'll have to watch. Maybe I'll watch the reality show and not not the uh, no, 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 that's the wrong way around. Um, no, but what they're doing. I think it's also to keep in mind when watching The Crown that it is a dramatization that some of these things are made up in the sense of like we don't know that these conversations occurred you don't know that some of these events occurred they some of these are imagined some of them are somewhat true or maybe based on historical record and then dramatized but it is such an engrossing show um what um who the, it's Debecky and Dominic West. Yes, are the the main leads in this current season with Prince Charles and Diana. So it's, Diana's not dead yet. Diana. So it's the season is split. So the net, the second half of the season will be out later in December on Netflix. They're doing the, the whole Stranger Things sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. So the first half of the season is finished, and it's sort of. And you get the idea of where it all leads to because the, the first episode of the season is this guy just walking through Paris streets and then sees a speeding car go past and then followed by a bunch of motorbikes and you hear a car crash. And that's the opening shot of the season. And, and it takes us six episodes to get back there. So we all know where it's going. And I just think it's... I just think it's really good TV. It's extremely well made, very well acted. The production is through the roof. And I, like it or not, I, I find Diana a really interesting screen character. I think there was a film a couple of years ago with... Um, Kristen Stewart? Yes. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but I thought... I think it was just called Diana. Was it? I think so. It was fucking great what she did with that. Yeah. Since, um, it was psychological thriller just a weekend with the royals where diana is sort of slightly estranged from them all and then like what's going on in her head she's having psychological delusions and hallucinations and then sort of pairing with this whole idea of like old english history of what happened to like divorce queens and stuff like that and it was just such the film blew me away even though like i don't find the royal family that interesting of subject matter in Mate, you're life. a you're a staunch monarchist we just, we just, you're, you're all in on that Godzilla blood. <laughs> I'm pulling it <them> back. <laughs> okay, right. This is the crossover that I want. I want the crown, but the queen is Godzilla. <laughs> That's what we find out in the post-credit sequence. Monarch meant the queen all along. Can, can we get that? Mon- like- mon- That's what they should have called the crown. Monarch legacy of the monster. And the monster was the queen. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good if we get to like the end of like, it should have been like the car crash, right? And then like you have like all of like, you know, the credits and then you hear the like the Avengers 
music and then it's almost like Godzilla comes out of the Loch Ness it's like I'm the real queen I'm your king now motherfucker <laughs> wouldn't um, that be good and then Prince Charles has to fight Godzilla um, are you making Prince Charles the hero of this story Prince Charles I after watching The Crown I find him a far more symp- I have far more sympathy for him as a person after watching this show I find okay. that interesting that the, do that they, show has done that. Do they explain his giant sausage fingers that he has? No. No? Okay. Because Dominic West is very He's attractive way too, man. Way too good looking. Way too good looking. And like, is DeBecky, I think, almost matches Diana, but I think Diana's just really good looking. Is Dominic West walking on a platform the whole time or is DeBecky in a trench? Because she is the tallest human on the planet. And, he, and he's not that tall, is he? Oh, we just talked about mur- Murder at the End of the World. The lead character in that played Diana in the earlier seasons. Yes. So, and Sam looked that up earlier this season. Their, like, and their height that, difference yeah. must be like a meter. So I don't, know, I don't know what they're doing. The magic of movie making. There's some force tilt on, on all of that stuff. <laughs> She's got the... Um, in the first one, she had the Tom Cruise platforms on. But um, uh, just going back to Netflix, I, I just think it's interesting that this is a show that they obviously commissioned quite a while ago and they just don't make shows like this at all. They're not interested. It's not in their model, but they're committed to finishing the show. Yeah, it's their biggest where, show right now. Where a lot of other shows that they've made, which are like to varying sort of degrees, have just got cancelled. Like like the, the elephant in the room is still glow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's me done. Is there anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I think your last one that you said I was going to take over is um, For All Mankind, which yeah. we've talked about. It's in what fourth season now. I think it's um, one of our favorites. This is one of our favorites. This is, it's not kind of like super hard to watch. It's not funny. It's just like good to sit back and see Russians and Americans working together on Mars, you know? Just, it's just good sci-fi it's yeah it's good um very accessible sci-fi this Uh, this later season what i love like we won't spoil it it's great show you do have to watch the earlier seasons to understand but um it has um essentially an uh downton abbey upstairs downstairs going on on mars where there's like the service workers who keep the mars base running live in like the basement and the astronauts who fly the ships live on like the surface level and there's kind of this thing going and like a guy a service worker goes up there and runs essentially starts running an import export business (laughs) where he's an import exporter (laughs) he inputs porn mags and cigarettes for people on the base and has started talking about exporting moon rocks back to mars rocks back to earth like when great what a what a plot line when kramer and seinfeld would be like i know this guy in the park you know, my friend Joe, it's like, I imagine this guy. That's this guy. This is Toby Cabell. Um, just import, export. Uh, good show. Yeah, it's great. It's, um, I love, like, they're not, because they're on Mars now, like, they don't even talk about the moon anymore, which was like the first three seasons. There's a guy on Mars who's like, yeah, back in the day when I worked on the moon and like, they're talking about moon reality shows and stuff. Yeah. It's like, just, it's, it's a really good built up world that is nice to just dip into. And the, this is the thing is they've done the hard work to sort of orchestrate it. And now there's payoffs with like, oh, eventually we may get the, the, the end of the Soviet Union. But then it's sort of 
it finds a way with what they're doing within the show that recalibrates to what's actually happened in our world where okay so the Soviet Union didn't fall apart but we do see a, we are seeing a recorrection from a capitalist Soviet Union back to a hardcore and sort of um, that's super interesting I like that where, where it's sort of not quite to like the Russia that we know today but it's gone from far very open to a lot more closed off this season and it's showing those sort of changes which would sort of naturally occur within sort of democracies and nation states and stuff like that and I just like the history that it weaves um, because the, again it's also in some ways it's similar to The Crown where they have a long standing commitment to this show that they are going to make this they don't give a fuck if, it's, if, if people watch it or not and they're committed to like eight or nine seasons so we're going to be dealing with out of this solar system and fucking aliens before this season before this show is over how long do you reckon they'll keep applying old man makeup to Joel Kinnaman, who he looks like he's on. literally melting on screen? <laughs> I want a clone. I <laughs> know. Oh, give us a clone. Bring him back. I like. I love the show, and he's a great character. But like, the less he's on screen, the better, because he looks absolute shit. What? What I would? Okay, I'm going to pitch you this. <laughs> so obviously they're going to do Mars here, and I think it will culminate with they found some sort of life on Mars by the end of the season that they'll find some sort of water and bacteria and shit like stuff that we sort of sort of know now maybe yep um, they'll discover that for sure and then there'll be other stuff that's going on in the solar system that like they'll do like like pilot missions to like Jupiter and shit but then I think we'll hit season six so um, Kinney won't be in next season that he'll he's dying. He's not making it back to Earth. I think we already know that because the first episode sort of sets it up, where uh, he's he hasn't he, he hasn't been back for like three years or something like that. I don't think he's back been back in like five or I don't think he's I don't think he's been back since they got to Mars. He's been there the entire time. Oh, he hasn't because his wife. Oh, this is spoilers for the show, but his wife died at the end of the last season. And he never yeah. went back. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're right. So he's been there like a decade on Mars. Yeah. So I think he'll die this season. Be on Mars hero, be a hero and he'll go out and then next season they'll do stuff and then season 6 we are sending clones to the outer stretches of the solar system and beyond <laughs> and Kinnaman's back but young <laughs> young Kinnaman he's um, on, on Mars they find Godzilla and they start injecting Zilla blood and he gets the <laughs> Kurt Russell anti-Asian well, actually it's a, it's a good sort of like that they are a show that has relies not necessarily on its the casting i think the 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 people in it are do a really good job but it it doesn't really have it it doesn't require a name no i could i could 100 percent keep watching this show without like it's been pretty consistent since season one but they're all so old now in the timeline of the show that they're surely done at the end of the season and i could keep i'll be keen to keep watching it it's fun yeah and i and i think that's the thing with all of these alternative history um sort of fictional shows that that they have a just by doing something that is familiar but different there's an intrigue and curiosity with that where for example the man in the high castle i think carried that for a long time and then it got probably too weird in its last two seasons and i think its audience sort of it it just didn't have the comeback where it's almost like this is sort of jumping the shark now where we're jumping parallel universes and nazis can now jump Travel between universes. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like too fucking much, mate. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's it. Good shows to tee up. We, um, I think we can probably figure out one or two things to do before the end of the year and log some apps and then go and finish these shows rather than talk to family. Can I ask, what is your like go-to sort of summer sort of television watching? Like, let me pitch it. It's like 28th of December. Cricket. Well, okay, not the Big Bash, right? No, no, test, Boxing Day. Put that on, sit in no, front of the couch, do nothing. Uh, okay, so I'm saying like this is like 8.30 at night. This, normally you're out on like the biggest bender of all time, like those like week. So obviously <laughs> this doesn't relate to you, but I'm just going to pitch you a hypothetical. You are in Brit, are on holidays somewhere. It's like nine o'clock at night. You've got a mojito in your hand. Brit has like a nice, really chilled rosé and you sort of like had a really good day at the beach what are you putting on i don't know this year but what i will i actually thought about this yesterday i really want to try to get brit to sit down and do a full watch through of lost with me <sighs> I, I did a lost rewatch in the first lock work in the first lockdown and i'm gonna make her commit and do that this this holiday season you were a bad man. Yeah, I know. Just putting the relationship to the test. See if she gives up that big ring I gave her. <laughs> see, I, I have a... For some reason, I have this attraction to like Westerns now. And I don't... Yeah. Where I You're going to stick into Bass Reeves? Well, yeah. As I said last episode, I, I'm going to... like I'm watching that show. Because um, it's like co-produced by Taylor, Taylor. Where he hasn't written it, but he's obviously involved in the show. And it's obviously sort of adjacent to all the Yellowstone, 1870, yada, yada, yada. Um, but after watching the English over like oh, yep, yep. late December and just having like a cocktail in my hand for every single episode, just really good drinking, prestige Western. And I was almost like, I can get around this. And then because I watched the English, that meant almost like, you know, I'm going to go watch Country for Old Men now. And yeah, then I'm gonna watch um, Unforgiven. Yeah, shit like that. Where, out of, gonna... You should you should watch. Just combine the two. Combine Lost and Westerns and watch Out of Ra- Out of Range with Josh Brolin. Oh, I had a, like a panic attack watching that last time. I can't go back. Do it. I love it. There will be blood. Another like, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson movies. So just really pull out your your holiday spirit and your cocktails and watch really depressing westerns. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, okay. (laughs) That's a good place to end it. Okay. All right. Uh, We will talk next time. Thanks. Have a good one. You too.